If you've seen David Lean's epic film, Lawrence of Arabia, you know there are many memorable moments. Steve Caton takes us through the artistry involved in one of those scenes as he writes, Since Lawrence of Arabia was shot in Super Panavision, David Lean had an even larger canvas, as everyone was fond of calling the camera frame, on which to visualize the story than was available on regular 35mm film. The window on the world may have widened, but now he was faced with perhaps the greatest problem of all. How to fill the window, laterally as well as in terms of depth of field, when he was shooting something, a desert, that was seemingly empty of details. In part, this would require a kind of painterly or compositional art, which he had already mastered from an earlier style of direction. But he was faced as well with the problem of how to embody that world for the spectator. He'd constructed an abstract geometry of planes and lines according to what he had learned from the cinema of Rex Ingram. Now he would have to add a mastery of a different kind. One of the sequences that reveals Lean's sense of geometry and depth of field on a huge but virtually empty canvas is Lawrence's rescue of Gassim, a Bedouin lost in the Nefud desert. Sky, sun, desert, and human figure on the horizon. These are virtually the only compositional elements on the screen. In the beginning of this sequence, Gassim is seen trudging in the direction of the rising sun. The feeling of isolation is almost abstract in its purity and made more terrible by the vastness of the screen. We watch the lone figure trudging on a perfectly level plain, its flatness unrelieved by vegetation or stones, his shadow extending to the right. Then he sheds pieces of apparel, one after the other. On the one hand, this makes good narrative sense, but what Lean does with these items also cleverly solves the problem of depth of field, for they form a line on the desert floor stretching behind and away from Gassim. Moving along this line, our eyes apprehend how far and how fast he is walking. Then there is the opposite effect, a flattening of the field when Gassim is shot from above or horizontally at the line of the horizon, as in a silhouette. These images of flattening, too, make good narrative sense. Stephen Caton suggests this scene conveys a quintessential experience of isolation, and he says the feeling of isolation is almost, in his words, abstract in its purity. Imagine watching that scene during the COVID-19 pandemic, and we ask, might the experience we have in viewing him in the desert have an even more palpable impact for us because of the immediacy in our own lives of feelings of isolation and aloneness. And imagine not watching Lawrence of Arabia in a movie theater shot as it was in Super Panavision. And consider the hunger many of us might be having to share all varieties of experiences with others after the long and deep isolation of the early COVID times. 
All of these considerations come together in Bucknell University's film programming at the historic Campus Theater in downtown Lewisburg. And, as we'll learn, the public is invited to all of these screenings, free of charge. Rebecca Myers is Director of Film Media Studies at Bucknell and film programmer for the Bucknell screenings at the Campus Theater. And as the 2022 fall season gets underway next week, we had a chance to talk with her by phone about the series. Bucknell has the privilege of using the Campus Theater, which is this beautiful Art Deco theater that allows us to screen films on a variety of formats, 35mm, digital cinema, and home video formats if needed, which means that some of our classes, the film, and by our, I mean the film media studies classes, which is a program I teach in, the professors can select any films from any time or place as long as they can get them. Uh, If they're available, we can show any format in the theater. So what we do is we offer a number of screenings a week at the campus theater. The screenings are free. They are open to the public. And they are either screenings that are offered in connection to classes, so students are required to go to those screenings, but again, everyone is invited to attend. Or on Tuesday nights, it's called the Tuesday Film Series, which is not connected to a class and is meant to be kind of eclectic, um, wide-ranging cinematic celebration that shows contemporary films that are on the festival circuit, that shows new restorations, and that's akin to the kind of film programming you would see at museums or independent film theaters or art houses in major cities. We're showing things here in Lewisburg that would not otherwise play in the area if it weren't for those screenings. And to talk about this specific semester... I do want to point out that this semester is exciting because we have, we're going to have several times during the week where there are Bucknell film screenings. So Monday nights people are pretty used to. Monday nights are very often the screenings connected to our Introduction to Film Media Studies course. That's being taught by Professor Eric Fade in this semester. So Monday nights there's a really exciting range of films that he's offering. Then the Tuesday night film series, which I curate, will be continuing as usual as well. We also are going to be offering several Wednesday night films either associated with Professor Faden's Writing Through Film Media class or through Professor Ken Eisenstein's Race and Film class. And then additionally, on Thursday afternoons, there will be afternoon film screenings for people who are able to make them that are connected to Professor Bastian Heinzon's Film Theory class. And so most weeks, there's as many as four films being offered for free, films that people may not have heard of or have read about and never seen that they can come out and watch on the big screen. And often with a context provided by one of the people you just mentioned, including yourself. Exactly. Thank you for adding that. Indeed, the films are always introduced, whether it's by the professor. On Tuesday nights, it's either myself or a guest. Occasionally we have a visitor even from out of town, and very often I collaborate on those Tuesday night films with people from the Bucknell community or the Lewisburg community, and we either just have them introduce it or sometimes we even have a conversation or a panel. What happened during the COVID shutdown? Were you able to continue on? Well, it it was a little bit complicated because obviously everyone needed to be very careful, but for the Bucknell film screenings, it was first a question of were Bucknell classes meeting, right? Were students meeting in person, I should say? And until those meetings transitioned to in-person meetings, we weren't ready to bring students together for a film screening. But additionally, we weren't talking about a classroom on campus. We were talking about a public venue. So we needed to be appreciative and to follow the campus theater's own protocols. And they're a nonprofit organization that makes those kinds of decisions separate from Bucknell. So 
once Bucknell classes went back to meeting in person, in fact, the campus theater wasn't ready yet. They didn't think it was safe yet to invite the public into the movie theater. So we were actually running screenings for the students only, which was a bummer, right? They were happening there, great movies coming in, but we weren't able to invite the public. So those were some kind of, you know, sad times, of course, around COVID. There was a lot of loss like that. And then as soon as the campus theater reopened, we invited the public back. So it's been it's been a while, but it's certainly also been a tentative return in terms of people feeling comfortable. And, you know, it's that we're all kind of adapting to this. But it's interesting because I just met a group of first-year students last night through a arts pre-orientation program. So these are, what, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds? And they were really interested in movie going and theater going. And I asked them why they thought that was, because I haven't found that to be true of younger generations. And they talked about nostalgia. But one of the things that I, I don't think they maybe even recognized that they all nodded their heads when I proposed it is that for a time, it wasn't something we could all do, right? We couldn't all gather together and appreciate whatever it might be, including seeing a movie on a big screen in a movie theater. And I think that now that that opportunity feels safe and is much safer now, people want to do it. They want to take advantage of it. And I'm really hopeful about what that will mean for our attendance at the campus theater. And then, of course, globally, it's important for cinema to have that be an important kind of vital aspect of the culture. And it's a good lead-in to the Portuguese film that you're going Uh to be showing, right? Because that has something to do with being made during COVID. Yes, indeed. So I'm not 100% sure how this is meant to be pronounced. The the Gua Diaries is the name of the film. This new Portuguese film from 2021, it is August spelled backwards, so that's the word. (laughs) And I don't know how the filmmaker himself or themselves, how they pronounce it. But it was indeed made during lockdown. So it's perhaps a distinct kind of COVID or pandemic film. It isn't about the pandemic. It isn't about that at all. But it was made in these very unusual circumstances, which when you see the film, I hope you'll come to see the film, everyone listening to this, it's it's uncovered that that's what's going on. It isn't presented that way, I don't believe, at the very beginning. Although everything you will read about this film, including I think even my description on our website, does allude to that. So it's not like it's a secret, but it's a very intimate film that is made with a small group of people locked down together. You know, there's extenuating circumstances and tensions that we gradually learn what those are during a pandemic. And and spontaneously, to a certain degree, coming up with a way to continue making films, to continue making art, despite the fact that the world is all of a sudden a place where we're not supposed to be too close together and that we could infect one another, et cetera. It's a lovely film. It's it's a lot about performance and art making and time. Um, it does play with time a bit in, in the way that it's structured. And Miguel Gomez, one of the two filmmakers, is a renowned Portuguese and world filmmaker who is followed on the festival circuit and has been kind of a big deal since the early 2000s. And I was struck by one of the phrases used in the celebration of the film, saying Uh that it's one of the most restorative films out there now. And I thought that's an interesting choice, given the nature of the way the film was made, that we're somehow like those young people you just described who want to get out there and get into a theater and want to have some things restored on all kinds of levels. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is, and I said this to a group of students I was telling, I was encouraging them to come to the film, and I said, I don't want you to think this is a really dark, depressing, or scary film when I say it's some kind of COVID film. It's actually quite hopeful. It's, it's, I think it's a timeless film that will be appreciated long beyond when people may remember or have even have experienced COVID, because it is very much about being an artist, about connecting to people, you know, humanity needing to connect, needing to find their way in a relationship even, right? The relationship between the director and the actors and how they communicate with one another and authority and questions of feeling comfortable are all woven throughout this film. And it ends in this really beautiful, hopeful, optimistic scene of kind of release and it's such a resonant film. It's a film I often say when I'm advertising our films, you need to see this on the big screen, and that can mean so many things. A lot of people think, you know, an action film or a thriller should be seen on the big screen, but sometimes seeing a really quiet, intimate film on the big screen also really matters because those emotions and that intimacy get expanded upon or um, amplified by being there with other people. And I'm excited to see it with an audience because when I previewed it, I was just watching it on my laptop and I just really love the final scene and cannot wait to experience that with an audience. The things that we notice then as you talk about curating a series, what are your considerations on Tuesdays, for example? Balance, documentaries, fiction films, old, new, what kind of balance do you try to strike? Well, everything you said. So cinema is so vast and, and very few people either realize that or have the chance to experience it, especially in a theater. So I always want to have a balance between contemporary films like next Tuesday's film that we're just playing at film festivals, etc. I also look to see what films have been restored recently. So historical films, sometimes those films are iconic and they're they're kind of already legendary films and sometimes they're not. So sometimes they're what we call discoveries, and we have one of those from the 1980s coming up in mid-September. It's called Vengeance is Mine. People may recognize the actress, Brooke Adams, but they've probably never even heard of the film. And it's quite shocking because it's a very good film, but it just didn't really make a splash back when it was first made. World cinema, international cinema, so certainly wanting to be looking all around. We have a special event on September 13th with a Cameroonian film, which is also something of a discovery, at least for most Western audiences. From 1975, it was recently restored and is being introduced by a woman who now lives in Lewisburg named Anna Thorngate, who works for the Criterion Collection, which many people will be familiar with because it's a really special DVD home, home video release company. And then there's also, I try to kind of connect to things happening on campus. So the common reading for our first-year students is They Called Me Enemy by George Takei of Star Trek. And it's a graphic novel he wrote, and it's a kind of radical move in some ways for Bucknell that the common reading this year is a graphic novel. The topic of it is the Japanese internment camps during World War II. So I put a program together of two short films about that subject matter and a panel so we could really talk about it and consider those films from cinematic perspectives, which I can provide. And then we have two professors who are going to be offering other perspectives, one of them from East Asian studies and one from lit studies to talk about the graphic novel, not the source material for the films, but the kind of motivation for the screening. And I should also add that I do, when I can remember to do this at least once a year, I try to reach out to some of the regular audience members. There are people in Lewisburg who, and at Bucknell who come to the Tuesday films regularly. They just love cinema. They're adventurous. They will come if they've heard of it, and they'll come if they haven't heard of it. 
and I I think it was maybe on Facebook or through my email list, perhaps, I said, so I'm starting to program the fall semester, and I'd love to hear from you. Is there a movie you'd love to see again or that you read about and you want to see? And one of our regular viewers, she wrote me very quickly, and she said, I'd love to see more women filmmakers, and I'd love to see Hungarian cinema. And she's long told me she wants Hungarian films. She's from there. Her family's from there. And I was taking very seriously what she said, but I don't always pick something just because of a suggestion. I also want it to kind of organically be fitting in in other ways. And it just so happens that there is a filmmaker named Marta Mezaros, a Hungarian filmmaker from the 70s, who is one of these people who is being rediscovered and being recelebrated. Her films are being restored and re-released around the world and in this country by Janice Films. And I took a look at some of her films and was really struck by them. And I chose one called Adoption that will be screening in early October. So if you were to look at just the films that are up on the website now, there's more that need to go up there. We're ranging from uh, 1954 might be the earliest I have up there right now, but 1954 up to 2022. And then films from Cameroon, from the U.S., from Portugal, and from Hungary. So that's my goal, right? And, and also my goal is probably that anyone who hears this, they'll have heard of very few of the films I just mentioned or none of them, because this is the way you learn about cinema. This is the way you learn about what's out there is by taking advantage of all your options, the multiplex options, the Hollywood options, and then all of these options that an independent cinema is able to program and bring. All this means that you're out there scouting all the time. Pretty much. Um, Well, pre-COVID, the Toronto Film Festival, which happens in early September and is one of the premier international film festivals for releases of new cinema, that was a place I would go. I went several years in a row. I didn't go during COVID. I will not be going this year, but hope to start again next year. So that's a place where, in a short span of time, you watch movies all day long. And by you, I mean, it's a kind of industry. It's a public festival, but a lot of the industry go. So I'd see several movies over the course of every day, and some of them I'd walk in and out of so I could see more if I decided, yes, I want to show this and find out more about it, or no, this isn't right for me. So there, there's the in-person stuff, but then it's absolutely a lot of the Internet has made it possible to quickly read from the critics I admire, friends and programmers around the world I admire, what are they showing. Um, I find out from distributors when they have new exciting releases coming because they know to contact me. And then I decide, is this something I want to see? Because I do my utmost to watch everything I select first. And again, you know, the world of digital cinema allows me now to say, can you send me a screening link, please? And then I just watch it and I decide. And I've done this long enough that I was part of this professional world when we would request a DVD and then we had to wait for the DVD to come in the mail and then we would watch it that way. Or before that, you couldn't do any of that. You just had to go see the movie or take someone's word for it. So it's it's a lot of research. I don't do as much watching as some others would who are selecting films, let's say, seven nights a week because I don't have as many films to select. So I just keep going until I find the, the magic number I need for each semester, and then I'm able to know there's more out there I'd like to show, but I can't show them all. I go back to those young people you were encouraging to go to the screening, and they were eager to get to the theater now that it's available. Do students come to film class or to viewing films from the current generation of college students? Are their eyes more educated about what to look for in films because the world is so visual these days Mm. with digital images all the time and screens Mm -hmm. and so forth? Mm. It's an interesting question. I'm not finding that to necessarily be so. There's certainly 
very fluent in visual culture. They consume a lot of it, whether it's movies, television, TikTok, and it's primarily not movies. It's more television and and TikTok and the like. And I say consume because I think there is an aspect to the viewing that a lot of younger generations and probably many generations, um, older generations as well do, that is a different kind of relationship with what you're watching that is more passive and my feeling about the films I select and about the great films of the world and the films that really excite me is that those are films that merit, warrant, maybe even require a more active engagement, a more active participation. So one student I spoke with last night said something I've heard frequently from younger people, which is that he has a short attention span. And so I guess movies, therefore, are difficult for him because they ask him to sit and pay attention, especially in a theater, right? The advantage for me to seeing a movie in a theater is that you're immersed in a focused, concentrative, attentive experience. You're not at home where whatever, you use the bathroom, you're, you get a text on your phone, whatever else it is that's distracting or that you're doing while you're watching. And so I think that it may be that the abundance of media and, and a lot of media that might be shorter form and even like really fast may not be helping with the experience of a longer form experience that is watching a movie. So I'm not sure, you know, it's, it's tricky, and, but no matter what, and this is true for me when I was in college, there's a certain way of seeing a movie, watching a movie, engaging with a movie that I don't think is really possible without some element of learning about the vocabulary and language of cinema, how it works. And I think that there are people from the other arts that might understand things like composition or duration or rhythm, right? But I certainly wasn't able to really understand and appreciate how a film works and how it's trying to communicate something until I took a film class, which doesn't mean everyone needs to take a film class, but certainly reading film reviews, right? Film critics talk about these kinds of things, too. So there's all sorts of ways. But um, I do think it's difficult otherwise to kind of translate the, the comfort and familiarity with visual media to the perceptiveness that kind of rewards a viewer with a satisfying like artistic experience when seeing a film that might not fill the mold of Top Gun 2 or Maverick or whatever it's called, which is what this, this student had seen that he was telling me about. <laughs> this is apparently three hours long, which I didn't know. And it's wonderful that you are inviting all of us into the mix of what you're offering, and we can grow as they do. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think it's what's one of the great things about opening these screenings up to the public is they help make the screening a theatrical experience, and that's so important. Again, re- returning to what these students were talking about, how exciting it is to go to a movie when the movie theater is filled. And uh, it is some kind of community experience. And so all the films we show, you know, I go to the ones I go to and the ones I don't go to, I look at the numbers. We want there to be people there, not just our students. We want our students to experience seeing movies with other people. And we want the other people to experience seeing movies with other people. It's a large theater. We don't often fill it. Uh, It's 300 or a little more seats. But there's a big difference between seeing a movie, no matter how great, when there's five people there or 20 or 50 or more. And it's, it's exciting when there are more people there. There's, a, there's an energy in the room, and it totally changes the experience of the film, and I think for the better. Well, tell us where we can find the schedule. Four <laughs> choices a week. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, we are no longer or currently not printing like we used to. Um, printed schedules, we stopped during COVID, and we're not going to go back to it quite yet because I'm not sure it's worth the expense. So one needs to go online, and we have a website. If you were to search for Bucknell Film Series, it would come up very quickly. The actual website is bufilm.blogs.bucknell.edu. We do have a Facebook page. It's not very active. I'd like to build an Instagram page. At least through Facebook, you could also just quickly find us and then direct yourself to the website. But I think it's pretty easy to find online, and that has all these films laid out. It even has an archive and history of the films we've shown going back to 2013, which some people might find interesting as well. And did I see Judy Garland among the Yes, off? yes. Yeah, so I didn't get down. I didn't I didn't kind of pick that out as one of the films that I'm excited about, but I am. And, and that film is showing on 35mm. So Judy Garland's Centennial is this year, June 10th, 1922, she was born. And so many film theaters have been putting together huge retrospectives of Judy Garland films. And I wanted to honor her. I, I love a lot of the movies she's in. And I picked A Star is Born for a number of reasons. And actually, Professor Ken Eisenstein will probably introduce that film because he's also going to talk about it with his class, a different class. And I was able to book it on 35 millimeter, So that's the film format that it showed on, which is always a thrill and something I try to do as much as possible. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people know about that movie from the Lady Gaga version. And hopefully they'll come out to see this version, which was not the original version, but which is one of the more famous versions because of Judy Garland. And it's uh, another highlight of the early fall season. Rebecca Myers, director of film media studies at Bucknell University in Lewisburg and film programmer for the Bucknell screenings at the historic campus theater, speaking about the 2022 fall season that will get underway this next week. And the theater is located in downtown Lewisburg at 413 Market Street. The screenings are open to the public free of charge. And for more information, as we heard, the website address is a long one. It's bufilm.blogs.bucknell.edu. And she suggests that if you simply search for Bucknell Film Series, it should come right up. This Monday, August 22nd at 7, it's Mulholland Drive, directed by David Lynch in 35mm. And we've just heard about the new Portuguese movie, The Tsugua Diaries. That's August spelled backwards. And it's directed by Miguel Gomez. And that's just the start of the films for a week and the public is invited to each and every one free of charge at the lovely Art Deco Campus Theater, 413 Market Street in downtown Lewisburg. Again, for more information, we'll give you that full website, bufilm.blogs.bucknell.edu. Again, the 2022 season of film presentations at Bucknell University in the Campus Theater in downtown Lewisburg getting underway this Monday with Mulholland Drive, David Lynch's film, and then the next evening at 7. That's the area premiere of the Miguel Gomez film.